are listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Who I, the other day, Devin, was at Auntie's Bookstore, which I've talked about before, which is in Spokane, and I like it so much. And I love going to their local history section, where someday our book shall rest. It's going to be there by Christmas. (laughs) Wow. And I got this book called Speaking Ill of the Dead jerks in montana history (laughs) because i was like this looks important and relevant to my interests (laughs) did they consult you on the title because it sounds like they did (laughs) well the guy who put this together is clearly a kindred spirit and i'm sorry to say so his name is dave walter i'm sorry to say that he's since passed because i kind of looked at to be like what's he doing these days right but i guess they had a session at their historical conference that would always be about jerks and it was so popular (sighs) that they spun it off into a book. And so lots of different authors contributed to this book, which has been so far a delight to read. I haven't done every chapter. Okay. But this is one that he wrote himself, and it introduced me to a character I had never heard of before that is definitely a jerk of Montana history. (laughs) And I will just warn people that, you know, because of the whole part where he's a jerk, there's going to be behavior that's kind of upsetting. And specifically, this guy was a slob hunter. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, meaning somebody who just kills animals like they're playing whack-a-mole. I don't really have a problem with people hunting to eat if they need to. Yeah. But, so this was a non-homegrown jerk of Montana right. history. He right. came from far away. He was, I'm going to say British, because it was in the mid-1800s, so yeah. Ireland was... A part of slash occupied by Great Britain at the yeah. time. He was a aristocrat from Ireland. His name was Sir St. George Gore. That's so too much of a name. That, yeah, you're like, St. George is not your first name. Just be George. Also, <laughs> Gore. Yeah, yeah. Do your friends call you Saint or what? Georgie? Saint would be kind of a cool nickname. I mean, I feel like you have to be like Nicolas Cage or yeah, uh, the guy who played Neo. Like you have to be that level of person to get a nickname Pretty like much. Saint. Yeah, you'd have to have an interesting life for sure. Totally. This guy just was a rich asshole. But he was one of the many, many, many out-of-state hunters who have come to Montana for many years, many centuries at this point. Christ almighty, Montana is like America's version of Africa when it comes to Mm -hmm. hunters. You just, Mm -hmm. what up? We got a lot of big shit. We got wolves, we got mountain lions, we got lynx, we got bobcat. We've got all kinds of different deer animals, moose, elk, actual deer. Just shoot them all. Just go for it. And people have for centuries been like, this is where we get all our trophies from. Wee! Yeah, thanks. Assholes. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to just go wild calling this person an asshole. Totally. We don't mean anyone who's ever hunted is an asshole. But when you just go to be like, ha ha, I have a gun. Oh my. Screw you. Just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick in Montana or any place else. So his formal title was Baronet of Manor Gore. <laughs> a tiny baron. That's what a baronet yeah. is, right? Baronet. <laughs> yeah. It's like how a coronet and is a tiny corn. <laughs> there you go. Or a cigarette is a tiny cigar. <laughs> so he looked, as far as I can tell, like full on exactly who you would cast if you were like, who's a guy who's like a rich guy who didn't do anything and he's British and probably like drinks port 
and stuff. Okay. He was evidently a stocky, hearty bachelor who was prematurely balding. Yeah. A contemporary described him as a fine-built, stout, light-haired, and resolute-looking man who sported straw-colored Dundreary whiskers. What? Okay. There. I'm going to look up yeah. Dundreary. Wow. Those are dumb. Yeah. I'm not into it, friends. AKA no. Piccadilly Weepers. Piccadilly Weepers. <laughs> Guys, those are just a bad, bad call. Why would you do that with your facial hair? No, the chin is bald. These are like you've got little wings, little angel wings on the side of your face coming mm-hmm. out. Oh, dumb. Let's never bring this back. Uh-uh. Done. Let's not do that. Oh, I get it. Okay, he's Lord Dundreary is a character of the 1858 British play Our American Cousin. That's what oh. Abraham Lincoln was watching when he died. Yeah. Should have killed yeah. the guy with these fucking whiskers. Yeah, no good. Uh-uh. No good at all. So, we have this guy. You have him in your head now. He has, like, sandy hair and stout. So, he was, like, the epitome of the Victorian Lord. So he was a sportsman, he was a scholar, gentleman, horseman, marksman, fisherman. He sounds incredibly tedious to me. <laughs> but he met a Scottish hunter, the seventh baronet of Murthley, ah. who had toured the West and said, if you like hunting, then you should go to the American West because they have an infinite supply of wildlife. Yes, that's how biology works, is you can have an infinite supply of anything. So Sir St. George Gore arranges a big tour through the American Fur Company, which was a company that really controlled a lot of trading posts out west. But it also had home offices in New York and St. Louis. Okay. And he was like, okay, you're going to be my managers. You're going to be my tour guides on this trip. So he travels around. Uh, the first leg, he goes with another guy whose name is Sir William Thomas Spencer Wentworth Fitzwilliam, the sixth Earl of Fitzwilliam. <laughs> this was their other hobby besides, like, fishing and hunting was just accumulating <laughs> names. Getting names. <laughs> this is yep. so dumb. Yeah. So this expedition that Sir St. George Gore is going on is literally the largest private expedition that ever went into the Rocky Mountain West. No way. It cost a quarter of a million dollars in those days. Good God. In those days. They were going to be gone for two years. This was his plan. So his agents hired 40 frontiersmen. What? To go along with him. So he had cooks. Camp tenders, interpreters, hunters, teamsters, bullwhackers, wheelwrights, blacksmiths. They got a couple really legendary guys. There was Henry Chatillon, I think. Okay. He was in the classic book, The Californian Oregon Trail. Okay. And so basically anybody that had been written about in a book that Gore got his hands on back in England, he was like, I got to meet this guy. I'm going to hire this guy. So he got Chatillon, and then he also got Jim Bridger. I don't know. Are you familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Tell folks what Bridger did. I only know him, you know, because my folks are super cowboy people. Yes. Jim Bridger is somewhere between legend and real, I think. Some of the stuff that I looked up about him is what we call disputed. (laughs) But he was certainly a famous mountain man. Like if you've watched Inglorious Bastards, when Aldo Rain is going off about how he's a descendant of mountain men, he says he's Jim Bridger's descendant. Mm. 
He was an army scout and wilderness guide. He was all over the western U.S. Yeah. He was pretty good at communicating with the tribes and yeah. sort of mediating for them and the settlers. And he also had sort of this Forrest Gump-like ability. And this is one of the things that makes me go, well, is this all real or is part of this legend of being around disasters but not dying? So one of the first oh. entries in his Wikipedia thing. Oh, what were you? Yeah, gonna say? I was going to say that's how I know his name too. Is uh, if you watched The Revenant, Jim mm-hmm. Bridger, that character was supposed to have stayed with yep. Hugh Glass. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So Hugh Glass, the guy from The Revenant and various other things, who got extremely attacked by a grizzly bear, just yeah. as as attacked as anyone has ever <laughs> gotten by a grizzly bear, and got to talk about it later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when he got really attacked, this was down by like the Missouri River in, let's see, near where South Dakota is now. So he surprised a grizzly bear who had two cubs. And as Lydia has told us on this show, if you see bear cubs, don't bother them because the mother is probably around and she's feeling protective. So the bear charged, you know, ripped him into tiny, tiny pieces. Yeah. And the party he was with didn't completely feel comfortable leaving him to die all by himself because yeah. he could still be like, no. So <laughs> the leader asked for volunteers to stay with him and then bury him when he died. Yes. Which I understand that they weren't comfortable with just putting him out of his misery, but that's risky. And allegedly, one of the volunteers was a teenaged Jim Bridger. Yes. <sighs> so eventually they took his stuff glasses stuff his rifle his knife his equipment and left and said caught up to the rest of the party and said oh he died yeah and, you know we buried him which is lies lies, lies. Manelli, lies. Mm-hmm. no you did not i understand why you thought you could get away with that because probably nobody's gonna go look but glass not only did not die But somehow, despite having no equipment and, like, most of his skin just sort of being held on with positive thought, (laughs) uh, managed to make it all the way back and confronted both of them. Yes. Yeah. And didn't kill either of them. No, unlike the movie, from what I understand, he forgave them, kind of was like, hey, I could see why you would have done that. Don't do that again. Fuck you. But Mm -hmm. they, they were fine with it. Like... I don't know, they just did the dude thing where you kind of punch each other on the arm, and then you're like, okay, I guess we're square. Let's go buy a beer. I guess. And based on the book I read, too, which I don't remember what the hell it was called, he also had this kind of approach to Bridger that he was like, okay, you were a teenager. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't really know. And I don't know that they conceptually thought about teenagers that way, but they did know. Like, you know, this is probably his first trip out. He's influenced by somebody else. Okay. He also once had a a group. Where did it go? Hold that thought. It's okay. I pulled up up Jim Bridger's Wikipedia in the meantime, and I, I like reading that he was a master storyteller, and some of the stories... Oh my god, yeah. yes. Read me this well, part. Read me that part. I was going to oh, read you okay, that I'll part. I'll read it to you. I love that he was known as a master storyteller, and so many of his stories that he brought back to people, they were like, yeah, fucking right. And then when the Yellowstone region was later explored, they were like, holy fuck, geysers are a real thing. <laughs> the ground really does shoot <laughs> up these giant fucking plumes of really fucking hot water. Whoa, Jim dude, thanks for letting us know. And then other stories where they're 
being told that like, oh yes, I found a petrified forest full of petrified birds who sing petrified songs. They're like, oh, <laughs> you were pulling us. You had you had us mm-hmm. on on that one. But I thought you were going to read me the part about how he liked to talk to the greenhorns about the time that he was getting chased by a hundred Cheyenne warriors and they chased him for miles and miles and managed to corral him into a box canyon and were advancing on him. And then he wouldn't say anything, you know, that exciting part in the story. And they'd go, what happened? And he'd go, they killed me. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. What happened then, Mr. Bridger? I died. <laughs> Dead. Duh. <laughs> yeah. What do you think would happen? There's a lot of things named after him, including Fort Bridger, which was named after him while he lived there. And at one point, of course, you know, he knew a lot about the trails and travel and weather and all kinds of stuff. In 1846, a party came through to Fort Bridger. And we're like, is this shortcut okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, fine level road, plenty of water and grass, except for that 40-mile waterless stretch that you're going to have to look out for. (laughs) Unfortunately, this was the Donner Party. (gasps) No! And it was not so much 40 miles as it was 80 miles, which was what they called the roadway to hell, which slowed them down so much that's why they got stuck in the Sierra Nevadas. Bridger! You'll be fine! I'd be fine. Wrong move. <laughs> well, you were saying that so many things were named after him. This is kind of an interesting mm-hmm. fact, too, is that before Bridger, the the part of the road that went over, you know, a stream or whatever, it didn't have a name. <laughs> so. You're bullshit. No, I love you it. You can hear the smile in my voice. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> you try to get too calm. <laughs> That's my giveaway. <laughs> he would have liked that. He mm-hmm. would have liked that you had Yeah, trying. Oh my gosh. <sighs> so yeah, so Gore hires Jim Bridger because he's just like, hooray, I'm going basically he was like, I'm going to Westworld. Oh like, definitely. They went with a caravan that was absolutely ridiculous. So the first thing you would see basically as his as his party went across the plains. It was like the circus coming to yeah. town or like a city on the move. So he had, first of all, the two-horse carriage, which he would ride in. It was like one what? he had brought from England. He did a carriage so overland? What the fuck is he this took guy? A carriage overland and over water from England. And he and Lord Fitzwilliam Williamson <laughs> would sit under the sunshade. And it would also convert into a sleeping compartment. So you could like crank up a piece and sleep, and oh it was like had God. springs and These stuff. These two, so they would just fucking doze. foppish, dandy, fucking white men in their fucking transformer ass carriage, just flopping about the Midwest. Fuck them both. I hate them. I'm so mad at them, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because his like day ride was better funded than like the Lewis and Clark expedition, or or if it's just that like brazen blaséness of a certain type of rich white man, where it's like, well, of course I can do this. Of course I yeah, can. I can't think of what else to spend my what, money yeah. on besides mm-hmm. this. Oh, try hate him. Yeah, try little bit. Yeah. So he went first, obviously, because oh. back in the day, as we know, like roads are dusty. So you don't want to be the no. one who's like choking on all the dust all no. day. So that went first. 
And then there were 21 Red River carts, which were like two-wheel single-horse vehicles. So you can kind of picture that. Oh, my that. God. 16 carts had his personal luggage. <laughs> Five carts had the gear of the hired Fuck men off. and some trade goods for the, tra- for the tribes that they would Fuck meet. Off. Then there were four large Conestoga wagons, you know, like that classic Oregon Trail covered wagon that's not actually what most people took on the Oregon Trail. because they didn't have a quarter of a million dollars to fund their joyride. Eat a dick, Baronet. Oh, my God. I didn't know. So they had a full set of carpentry tools, a ton of Uh food. So it's six horses pulling each of these four vehicles. A bunch of food, a bunch of carpentry tools, <laughs> and a complete blacksmith shop uh-huh. in case they had a problem with one of the he vehicles. He found the cheat code. He had a pit crew. The cheat code yeah. for Oregon Trail. It's like, what? I am a banker, and I'm not worried about how much salted pork my wagon can carry. I have 20 axles. But where was the baronet option right? on Oregon Trail? I always just got, like, banker, merchant, and farmer. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Okay. It's not over. Oh, God. Imagine seeing this go by. Imagine you're, like, on the Oregon Trail and this guy passes yeah. you. So, so far, we've got one yellow carriage <sighs> that's better suited to, like, Piccadilly yes. Square. We've got 21 Red River carts yes. that have been painted oh, red. well. We've got four giant Conestoga wagons. Then, two commercial freight wagons hitched in tandem and hauled by eight yoke of oxen, each one carrying 10 tons of bulk supplies. Oh my God, what? (laughs) And then, I know, like, any place they stopped immediately became, like, the best populated city in the territory, I have to imagine. I don't know when to clap. I don't know when to applaud. It's never done. Then the light knows like a yeah. parade, and you're like, is it over, or did the band just like not get around the corner mm-hmm. fast? Then they had a herd of horses for stock, 75 head with extra horses, extra oxen, and several milk cows, because obviously he needed milk for his breakfast. Of course porridge. he did. What was he going to do? Put water of in it? he did. No, he'd never been a broke college like a student. Farmer? Uh-uh. Get out of here. Yeah. No. Get out of here. <sighs> then he had 50 hunting hounds. Stop it. Imagine how great that sounded. He had 32 greyhounds and 18 purebred English foxhounds, which I imagine all of which he brought over, right? Like he couldn't get them when he got there. Mm -mm. Uh, His Mm -mm. personal arsenal alone, his ammunition, gunpowder, all the stuff to make shells and cartridges, and more than 100 custom-made pistols, rifles, and shotguns took up one entire cart. And his fishing equipment took up another cart. Oh, well... I I never want to hurt people, but I wanted to blow him up. Hearing about this, just put some fire on an arrow and let loose. Just fucking asshole. Oh, my God. I want to redistribute some wealth right now. Oh, man. This guy makes me mm-hmm. want to eat the rich. I mean, imagine seeing this fucking the day the circus came to town. Definitely. What is that? Um, like, to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Like, imagine that you oh, were, yes. like, left behind and separated and you got back to the party and you're like, guess yes. what I saw? And they're like, wow, drinking the bad water, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know, I really saw this mess. <laughs> he had so and many dogs. Like, 
Well, they're like, why is he out here? Is he the president? Is he the king of town? And you're like, no, he just wants to hunt. Yeah. yeah. He just spent a whole lot of money to come over here and be in his little, his Surrey with the pretty little fringe on the top. Exactly. Okay. So that trundles along. And then when they get to a stopping point, then they have the camp. Mm. Let me tell you about the camp. Do. First, this guy invented glamping, is what you should know. Oh, my God. First, they would set up a 16-foot by 20-foot green and white striped canvas wall tent. So that's big, right? Like it's bigger than my first I, I apartment. I think apartments that size. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then they would they had a fitted India rubber pad ah. and then covered it with thick French carpets. So obviously he well, didn't have to like stand on the ground. No. Like some kind of peasant. Totally. Ew. Then everybody would run around and get all the furniture out of the freight carts. I see. Including an oval steel bathtub with the Gore family crest embossed on both sides. God damn it. A portable iron table and a matching washstand, an ornamental ornamental brass bedstead and a feather bed, <laughs> two wood-burning heater stoves, uh-huh. an oak dining table and one oak chair. Ah. Oh. Oh, his <laughs> little a- traveling companion doesn't get an oak chair. It's a fucking Apparently stump not. for you, Lord Lesser. Yeah, I don't know what he did or didn't do in response to that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he had the finest English pewter. He had trunks full of all his clothes, a bunch of leather-bound classic literature. Ah. Because, you know, of course, he had lots of time to sit and read. Sure. And for shitting, a fur-seated commode with removable pot. Mm. Fur. Mm. That, no. What that smelled like. That was gross. I was going to say, that's the kind of thing that's, like, would be kind of fun the first time. Oh, totally. Totally. And then it's completely uncleanable. Mm-hmm. Nope. That ain't sanitary at all. It's like when your your so grandma nasty. used to have that carpeted toilet seat cover and the uh, matching rug that went around the commode like a barber chair cape. Yeah, just there to catch pee. Just there to catch tell. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. So since he was so comfy, you know, he'd eat mm-hmm. alone, oh. it, not with any of the hired help, except sometimes he would eat with Bridger, because Bridger was, like, a oh. legend. He's like his, I don't know what Bridger yeah. got to sit on, but it wasn't a fine hand-carved <laughs> oak chair. <laughs> I don't know that Bridger wanted to sit. He strikes no. me as a man that was more comfortable squatting on the balls of his feet so that he could wrestle an alligator or something. Imagine what he did when he found out about the fur-lined commode. Oh, you my know? God. I really hope he gave that Lord a lot of shit for it. Literally and figuratively. I didn't mean that, but I will pretend I did. It worked. Well, and he would stay up till midnight, Gore would, reading by lamps. Uh Because, you know, he's rich, so he can have light whenever. Of course he can. In the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night. Sipping his imported, you know, English gins and brandies, Irish whiskeys, French wines. Wow. And... Then he would sleep in until about 10 in the morning. And oh. so the rest of the hired help would strike camp, and some of them would take off beforehand. So he and his friend, Fitzwilliam, would then go hunting, and the people who had waited with him would then push so that they could catch up to the rest of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So he catches up to Fort Laramie on the North Platte River, mid-July 1854. I'm picturing it being warm. I'm just going to take a guess there. I assume. So he, 
He stored some of his stuff and then goes hunting in the Medicine Bow Mountains. Oh. Yeah, he hunts buffalo, grizzly, and black bears. He shoots elk bulls, and he he fishes for trout, and then comes back in mid-October. Okay. And sends most of his employees away, because he's like, okay, you know, it's winter, we're not going to have a great time hunting, let's just be chill. He, he sends almost everybody away, but with bonuses, so that they'll come back in the spring, and keeps uh, six of them around to tend his huge livestock herd, mm-hmm. and presumably the dogs and stuff. <sighs> so Fitzwilliam goes home, and Chatillon and Bridger and Gore go back to St. Louis for the winter. Okay. Although he does do a couple winter buffalo hunts. Well. And then when it gets nice, he's like, all right, let's go back. Rehires mostly everybody and goes on the next leg of the expedition into the Yellowstone River Valley. Mm. So Jim Bridger is like his major guide, scout, carriage driver, companion. I think they're leaving Chatillon behind at this point. Okay. And they're going north, and they're going into Crow and Sioux territory. Yes. And Bridger has said, this is where you want to go, because this is where the best hunting is. And this was true. So Gore had a big Kentucky thoroughbred that he liked to ride. Its name was Steel Trap, which I kind of love. Thank you for knowing that that I would care. Yeah. I always want to know the horses. Yeah, with a dog. Horse names and dog names, we need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think it was General Lee who had a horse named Traveler. I remember that from my Civil War book that that's, I wrote when I was a kid. That's a fucking so, cool name for an animal. That's good. Steel Trap and Traveler are yeah. both good. And he kept up with his whole glamping thing. Oh, you know, even well. though they're in the prairie wilderness and like people would murder each other for a bite of bacon at yeah. this point, he's, you know, got his giant tent and his daily bath in a tin tub with his crest on it and his liquor and mm-hmm. his books. And he is hunting everything. So he would kill scores of bison, elk, deer, antelope, wolves, grizzlies, black bear, bighorn sheep, and birds every day. I hate Just him. like every day he would kill as much as he could. And unless stuff was absolute trophy, like I got to take this home and get it stuffed, they would just leave it to rot on the prairie. God damn. Mm-hmm. Gross. Really and fucking then- Gross. In the evening, they would eat whatever they had caught that was good, and he would have Bridger come into the tent, and they'd drink Irish whiskey, and Gore would read him Shakespeare and Dickens and poetry and stuff, and Bridger would tell him stories. I don't know Jim Bridger well enough to know how he would have reacted to this. I, I feel like Bridger would have put up with this for the $5 a day he was making. Yeah. But I can't imagine being like, wow, delightful. No. Anyway, when I was looking into this, there were stories about, like, Jim Bridger having folksy reactions to, like, I won't listen to Richard III because I don't like this man killing people or whatever. Yeah. And, like, I, come on. Like, he's rustic he's not yeah. like from the moon no he- <laughs> no come on <laughs> they have a frame of reference for <sighs> sure yeah he's like you said he's not some like backwoodsy paul bunyan i don't know what the fuck a wheel is i'm just a mountain man yeah. who lives by my wit and my grit yeah it's like he's the one of the most important people who can survive and like 
thrive and run a giant business. He basically runs the place. Like, he, he knows what's up. Yeah, right? So, I can't imagine that he would necessarily care to hear Shakespeare. I mean, fuck, I don't care to hear Shakespeare, quite frankly. No, especially from, like, a smug British guy who's yeah. probably, like, farting from all the meat. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Into his fur-lined commode. Right, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome, but I would like to like go to sleep because we've got an early morning. Right. So they make it to the Yellowstone River, and they go upstream to the mouth of the Tongue River, which is a really unfortunate phrase. That's a hot. Which is where Miles City, Montana is today. Okay. And then they go about 10 miles more north to the mouth of Pumpkin Creek, where they make a stockade that is called Fort Gore. Okay. So it's pretty big. It's 100 by 120 feet and he sort of sets them up to do this. And then, of course, what does he do? He does more hunting. Oh, wow. He goes all the way through. He goes up to Forsyth. He goes down to Terry. He devastates local herds and flocks and everything during this time. And uh, so the only time that he would let people besides Jim eat with him was at Christmas. So here's what they had for Christmas in 1855. Okay. In Montana in the winter. Yes. So, roasted prairie chicken, broiled elk steaks, candied sweet potatoes, creamed corn, hot cinnamon buns, molasses, plum pudding, mincemeat pies, strong coffee, fine French wines, and Irish whiskey. Fucking hell, those plums. And, oh man, he'd been carrying those with him. stomachs hurt. Had to Yeah, exactly. He brought all this and made them cook it. Yeah. Oh, God, I just hate him, Liz. Does he have any redeeming features? Does this story make me like, I mean, he's a jerk from history, so I get it. But am I ever going to care about him? Uh, no, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, there was this time that winter. So one of his men was, it says, a Spaniard known as Uno. Oh. Which I'm like, what what was that guy's deal? He sounds interesting. Yeah. Tell me more about Uno. he died. Oh. And in, in the fur trade way, they would just wrap you in blankets and put you in a shallow grave. And Gore was like, no, 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 no. And he <laughs> cut up one of the Red River carts and made it into a coffin, you know, or okay. sure had somebody do it. Yeah. And then had somebody, had some people dig a grave six feet deep in the frozen ground so that this guy could have a official thing you know official burial and then he read the 23rd psalm from his bible and then went back to his quarters while they filled in the grave yeah okay and what dave walter who wrote this said is once again the aristocrat simply could not relinquish his heritage not even in the face of wilderness expediency i'm like no what this sounds like to me is he likes things to be done a certain way especially if he doesn't have to do them yeah Exactly. This is not some kind of magnanimous gesture on his part. He was out nothing. This cost him absolutely nothing. That Mm. is mind-boggling to me that that could ever be used as a way to be like, but he was such a good guy. No, this is coming into somebody else's house and saying, the way you cook is wrong. Let me tell you how to cook right. Yeah, and then you do it. Yeah. You know, like Butterworth, what was his name? Asa Butterworth? No, that was a different guy. But the guy you told me about who was the mortician in Seattle who like cut up his own wagon to give somebody yeah. a coffin. Yeah. That's one thing. But this is just like, I have all the things. Yeah. So from July 1855 until May 1856, 
Gore and his guys are at Fort Gore. During this 10-month period, the crows are watching him, right? The crow Mm -hmm. tribe. They estimate that he killed 105 bears, more than 2,000 bison, and 1,600 elk and deer in 10 months. Do you know how fucking far he had to range to kill that many bear? I mean, like, I understand that grizzlies will come together at eating season, but holy shit, like, they they do have separate ranges. This guy was going fucking everywhere. He was because he had absolutely everything. He oh was like, God. like, like when the ultra marathoners have people to like yes. hand some food and stuff. Oh, there's a cat on the table with me. This might be about to get interesting. It's going to be awesome. Um, he actually would have people stand around him if he decided to shoot at something. You cannot come onto this box. This is the box that the microphone is in. <laughs> oh my God! I know cats go in boxes. Yep. Do not go on the keyboard either. Stop. Do it. But <laughs> Lucy. Lucy. Uh, but so he would stand there ha- with a loaded gun, right? And he would shoot and then hand the gun that he had just shot from to a guy while another guy handed him a loaded one. No fucking way. So he could way. basically just keep doing that forever. <laughs> He's like his own machine gun. This is <laughs> this yes. is a people-fed machine gun. This is so stupid. Right? He could just throw people at any problem <laughs> until <laughs> things worked out. Did you ever watch Futurama? This is like how Zap Brannigan fights. He just throws wave after wave of men at them. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that's how you get, you know, 100 bear and 2,000 bison and 1,600 elk and deer. Right. Oh, my God, which is like several a day. A day. A day. Nothing else to do. He just loved killing things. And so the crow leaders reach out to the American Fur Company and are like, we eat those. Uh Uh-huh. This guy is wrecking it. What are you going to do? Like, uh-huh. he's here under your supervision nominally. And, so, you know, the, the message goes up the chain, and the superintendent of Indian Affairs is mad. Good. But he's 2,000 miles away. Oh. So he's like, well, when he gets back to St. Louis, I'm going to tell him what's up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm going to send him a strongly worded telegram. <laughs> Not even. I'm just going to wait till he gets here. And should he happen to come by and I remember, I'll, I'll say something really cutting. Really mean. Yeah. So in the spring, they're like, okay, let's go. So Gore has his men build two flat boats. Ah. And they're going to carry all the trophy heads and the hides and the antlers and the bison skins all the way down the river. Bet that and then smelled he and good. Bridger, yeah, he and Bridger are going to take the rest of the caravan down to Fort Union and they'll meet there. So his plan was that he was going to get to Fort Union and he was going to pay off about two dozen of the men and sell all the surplus goods and livestock and stuff. And then he would go down the Missouri River, get back to St. Louis and hunt along the way because he's ready to go back to Europe. Because in October 1856, his friends are going to go hunt stag in the Scottish Highlands. No. And obviously he doesn't want to miss that. No. Just because he's going to murder all the American animals. Now he has to go murder the Scottish animals. Yeah, well, different kind of animal is. It's still alive, you see. <laughs> yep, so he kind of trucks along and does this. And he's offending everybody the entire <laughs> yeah. way, right? Like, even if you're not, even if you're in the mindset of, like, an 1800s guy and you have no sentimentality about animals and you are very hands-on with your food source, yeah, you're still grossed out by this thrill killing and the wastefulness. Mm-hmm. And it, even if you're not grossed out, 
you're frustrated by the political implications of this guy who's pissing off every tribe in the area. All right. Yeah. yeah that's fair. That's, I mean, good. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't really seem to care about pissing off tribes now, but that's, I'm glad to hear that <laughs> 200 years ago it was a consideration. Well, they made it. They made it a consideration. Yeah. So, oh my God. So he meets up with a uh, American Fur Company guy and he's like, okay, you know, we have this deal. I'm supposed to purchase your stuff at a fair price and, you know, then you'll have cash and all of the stuff and I'll help you make some boats so that you can go down river. Okay. He's not excited because he's been hearing about this guy for months. Okay. And he's like, oh my God, now you're here. Fantastic. And the... Remaining members of the party set up across the river from the fort. So Gore is just sort of like shedding people and stuff as he goes. Don't (laughs) jump off counters when I'm trying to make a podcast. You're a three pound cat and you sound like somebody dropped a bowling ball. God. Stop. Yeah. So Gore is like, anyway, keep hunting. (laughs) I took five minutes to make a plan as to what to do with all my shit. So here you go. And I'm going to keep this and go back to hunting. And he stacks up, or his men, I should say, stack up all the surplus goods 50 feet away from the fort's front gate. Okay. Right. So like all the extra wagons, the carriage, the Red River carts, the livestock herd are all there because they're going to make a big sale. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to buy a lot. Yes. And then Gore spends the day drinking whiskey Mm -hmm. and then says, okay, I'm ready to negotiate. Fuck me. This is going to go real well. (laughs) Yeah. You called it. So Gore, this is going to amaze you, is kind of full of himself. Ah. And so the offer that the fur company guy gives him, he's not satisfied with. Of course not. And the fur company guy is like, are you serious? Like, what do you, you can't, like, I'm the only buyer. This is a buyer's market right here. What are you going to do? Schlep this shit all the way down the river? And Gore's like, you're trying to rip me off because I'm all the way out here and I'm an English guy. You sound stressed out. Liz, I am. Can I, can I, can I make a prediction? Gore's the kind of guy who would burn it before he would let the Americans give him an unfair price. You're so good at this. Holy shit. You're so good at this. Okay, so... They can't get anywhere on this agreement. <gasps> Gore keeps drinking and he keeps yelling. Good. And he's mad. And then he comes up with a plan. He had to think about something other than shooting things for a while. Oh. Although I'm sure he thought about shooting the fur company Probably. guy for a while. But that's taxing. So he says, okay, you all take the expedition a ways away from the fort. You guys take the carts and I want you to put them in two circles around my bright yellow carriage. And we're going to park it right in front of the fort's main gate. So they've got 20 Red River carts, four Conestoga wagons, and the pretty yellow carriage with the fringe on top Mm -hmm. right in front of the gate. He climbs out of the carriage, pours lamp oil all over the seats, and sets it on fire. Yep. (sighs) Yep. So before you know it, you have 25 vehicles on fire in front of this gate, quite close to this fort, in fact. Yeah. And apparently that even wasn't enough to satisfy him. He was still mad. He was still extremely salty about this guy trying to rip him off. So he's like, all right, you know that stack of surplus goods? Start throwing shit in there. Everything. What the We're going to throw everything. Fuck. So 
He throws the green and white striped tent in there. Uh He throws the brass bedstead and the feather bed. He throws the books in there, you know, his poems and everything. Yes. The French carpets, all the fishing equipment, some gunpowder. That must have been fun. I bet that was good. Yeah, the liquor. Well. Which at that point I would have been like, okay, so you guys carry that crate and take a while and me and Jimmy are going to take five crates of the liquor and just like – Hide it around the mm-hmm. back. Yeah, He's I'm not going to know. Put this behind a rock. Put that mm-hmm. under some sticks. Be back for that later. This guy is really freaking me out. What the fuck? Dude, at so, that point. Okay, so, and like, this is big talk for me. I'm obviously bloviating. <laughs> but at that point, I just want to pick up Lord Asshole and chuck him in the fire. Like, <laughs> throw who, him in there. Who's going to know? What is what is England going to do? They're going to come for one of their asshole lords? Just have everybody there be like, ah, a bear got him. Man, it sucks. Didn't see a thing. Weird. Weird. Yeah, we just got up and... We assumed he was sleeping in. Mm-hmm. He even threw the oval bathtub in there, Devin, his with bathtub? his family crest on it. I don't yeah. hear you saying he got rid of his fur-lined shitter. I assume he did, well, but I don't know. Well, I don't know if it made it the whole thing. How discommodious. The whole, the whole trip. <laughs> so he also... Well, he was very mad within his temper. He had this leather satchel that he threw in the blaze. Okay. And it had his bank drafts, <laughs> his U.S. passport to travel in Indian country, his letters of introduction, his expedition maps, and his personal journal of the expedition. So as this bonfire is going, he then takes all the liquor that hasn't been thrown in the fire and invites everybody who's not with the American Fur Company Uh to come to a party. I see. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's what I would have done to begin with, I suppose. Instead of Mm -hmm. burning things, being like, everybody who isn't the guys I'm mad at, come help me drink and eat. Yeah, everybody take everything you can carry. Yeah. Call your friends. Yeah. It's a reverse potluck. It's a reverse potluck. It's a potlatch. Exactly. He yeah. actually learned something from, you know, the Go tribes. Potlatch. And he gave away wealth to show some goodwill. What a yeah. nice man. There you go. Yeah, see, that would have been a good move. Uh-huh. But instead, you know, he he gets a buffalo robe bed, lies down behi- beside the hired men's campfire. Everybody keeps partying. Like, they drink all his private liquor stock, yeah. and then they drink all the whiskey that was kept around for trading. And the fire goes all night, and so does the party. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back in the morning, he sees that the fire has been so ferocious, it actually scorched the fort's gates. Wow. And he's like, ha, yeah, fuck you. And tells his guys, rake the ashes and find any scrap of metal. And any scrap of metal that you find, you hurl it into the river so that nobody from the American Fur Company can use it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just this is like salt the earth, dude. Seriously. It's like burning the library at Alexandria because they're like hundreds yeah. of miles from any factory, yeah. any supply warehouse, every scrap of paper and bite of anything that's not meat. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just so wasteful. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So the American Fur Company feels that they're done with this. Done with him. Done with his shit. Done with their commitment to him. Good. We're done. This is a problem now. <laughs> now he has a problem. Okay, good. He has no bank drafts. Mm-hmm. He has no boats that the guy was going to build him. He just has the two flat boats. Mm-hmm. He has no money to pay anybody. He doesn't he have no passports. Supplies. Nope. He's pissed off so everyone like, around him. Yeah. 
So he's like, well, shit, maybe, except for the guys who are hungover. They're probably like, you're fun. I'm going to hang around and see what else you throw. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> what else you got there, buddy? What's in your pockets? Yeah. yeah, just let me not freak you out. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he has no wagons at this point. Uh-huh. <sighs> but he does have the stock because he was smart enough to send them away. All he, right. he was one of those people who's like, I just can't control my temper. And it's like, well, you could control it well enough to only smash the plates you don't like. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he, he can't manage his temper. It's like, well, he seems to manage it at work. Yeah. In public spaces. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, I hate this guy. So <laughs> Sir St. George Gore goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Obviously, I can't get rid of my very important trophies. So some guys are going to take the boats full of the trophies that are, like, so full there's, like, trophies hanging off the sides. Mm-hmm. These must have just looked like giant floating like that that <laughs> flying thing from uh from Avatar. It, it must have looked like it was alive and just like swimming down the oh, water. Yeah. So this, much fur. This swarming mass of Frankensteined monstered yeah. animals. Smelling so bad, oh, I'm sure. Delightful. <sighs> so his trophies are gonna go down river to St. Louis on the boats. And he and Bridger and everybody else are gonna ride on horseback, because they still have horses, okay. along the Missouri River Trail, which is they're going to ride 1,760 miles along this trail. I hope he Because he's like, all right, well, at least I'll hunt on the way. Oh, That'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. I hope he gets blisters on his ass. I can do you one better. Oh. Shortly after this, Jim Bridger runs down river. You know, he rides down to Fort William, okay. which is run by some competitors of the American Fur Company. And he gets an area map, which has a mountain range to the south of Fort Union, labeled Unexplored. Okay. And he makes the strategic error of telling Gore about this. And this is the Black Hills, is what we would call them today. No, all right. And Gore is like, we should go. Maybe there's a new thing I haven't shot yet, or <laughs> shot 500 of. Let's do it. This is going to be great. And Bridger, with that unerring, you know, Hugh Glass is totally dead and don't worry about it, Donner Party energy mm-hmm. is like, let's go. Yeah, dude. Let's do it. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, We're gonna man. We're going to meet you. We'll meet you at the mouth of the Cheyenne in early October, and then we'll get passage on the steamboat. Somehow, I'll have money by that because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rich. Sure. And that'll happen. So they start trucking along. Hunting like a regular person would hunt at that time, right? So they've still got, like, a lot of horses, and they've still got the 50 hunting dogs. Because if you're shooting a lot of animals, then you might as well keep the dogs around. And he goes back to shooting everything. But they're doing okay. Until they have been on the trail for about three weeks. They're approaching the Black Hills and they are violating lands that are held sacred by the Sioux. Get them, Sioux. Sioux. Get them. Get them. Fuck them up. So, the, there are 13 of them at this point, which is also great. It's like, yeah, lucky number. Yeah, Good. totally. Definitely yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. 13 man party suddenly finds themselves surrounded by a war party of 135 <laughs> Teton Sioux. <laughs> oh, yeah. gleeful. <laughs> Led by a guy named Bear's Rib. Bear's Rib was an intense mofo. Right on. And normally, if he was patrolling the Black Hills and he found a white guy, he would just kill him. All right. Just straight up kill him. But 
I'm not really sure. What the book says is possibly fearing retaliation by the U.S. Army. I don't know if Bear's Rib had a lot of context about who this guy was or could sense that he was rich or just, you know, was not in the mood to kill somebody that day or what. Yeah. But he's like, look, there's 10 of us for every one of you. Yeah. You can either stand and fight, in which case you're obviously going to die, or if you leave everything, you can walk away. Oh. And by everything, what Bear's Rib means is your food, your horses, your equipment, and your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And they go, okay. So for the next five weeks... Gore and his 12 buddies are naked <laughs> with 50 dogs, no guns. Oh, wait, Bears no Rib didn't horses. want the dogs? I guess not. I guess he was like, I don't want your loud dogs. Uh-huh. I don't know what this is about. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with it. They're obnoxious. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so 13 naked men and, and their dogs, who are also naked, but that's normal for dogs. Pretty normal. Go down the little Missouri eating, you know, berries, lizards. Cutting their feet because they've got nothing to wear. They're stepping on prickly pears. It's September in this area, so it's fantastic. They both are way too hot during the day and way too cold at night. Mm. And they only travel at night because they don't have any weapons. (laughs) And they have the somewhat rational thought at this point of, oh, shit, like if anybody else finds us, they're not going to be like, well... You look pathetic. They're just going to kill us because we obviously can't fight back whatsoever. We're so easy targets. They're going to laugh at our little turtled wieners and they're going to kill us and take our dogs. Our cold yet sunburned wieners. (laughs) Do you think you could peel your penis like like a snake shedding its skin if it were sunburned? (laughs) If I ever get one, I'll let you know. Um, Uh. You're on the case. (laughs) Okay. So this is how they get through... For five weeks. They're traveling at night. They don't want to light any fires because they also aren't sure that Bear's Rib isn't going to come back and change his mind and just kill him. Like, they, <laughs> they're not sure this isn't just part of the game. Right. right? Well, taught you a lesson. Two weeks of misery, now you're dead. Yeah, I, I got all your clothes without any holes in them and I get to kill you. Mm-hmm. This is so handy. Yeah. So they travel almost 300 miles and finally stumble into a band of Hidatsa tribesmen who are like, I imagine, cracking up, (laughs) but but are very nice and feed them and take them to a camp near Fort Berthold. And what I love the most is at this point, it's the end of October, 1856. So what's happening to Sir St. George Gore is he's naked and has a sunburn on his wiener and has been eating (laughs) lizards and cutting his feet on prickly pears. And all his rich friends are hunting game in scotland he's completely missed it because he had to be a dick because he had to be a dick (laughs) yep insult to injury to insult to injury oh man yeah so (sighs) people are generous enough that gore gets clothes and manages to get bridger and the guys on another boat that's going to saint louis and (laughs) So Bridger and his stuff go, and Gore, his valet, who is still with him, what, what did he have on this guy? Oh, man. I would have stolen his identity like three years ago. Easily. 
Easily. And I was like, you got any photos of Gore? Didn't think so. Yep. That's me. Yep. This is totally Run me. Run my bath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my first shit pot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that just occurred to me. Maybe it wasn't always the same fur. Maybe oh. they changed the fur every time. Like it was one of those um, toilet seat covers yep. in a public restroom. It was a sanitary. they sure had enough fur. They sure did. That was a sanitary measure, Liz. Oh. oh. Provided for his convenience. <laughs> So, yeah, Gore, his valet, and his dog handler, and three other members of the original party settled into one of the Hidatsa towns. It was called the Like a Fish Hook Village, which is interesting. Yeah. Of Crow's Breast. So, for three months that winter, he lived like a Hidatsa native. None of his glamping. Good. None of his good stuff. But it probably seemed really nice after the five weeks where he had to travel 300 miles with no fire, no weapons, no clothes, no shoes, mm. no horses. I don't think he <laughs> learned of enough of a lesson. He got out of this okay, you know? Too easy. Yeah. So eventually in 1857, he and the dogs make it to New York City Jesus. and then back to England. Yeah. And he dies in 1878 in Inverness, Scotland, at the age of 67. It was one of the first expeditions that was ever mounted just to hunt and fish, right? Because everybody before, for the most part, especially in the West, would have been like, okay, like, we can hunt, but we're not just going to, like, put a ton of resources into going someplace just to hunt when we don't need to. Yeah. So it cost, like I said, an estimated $250,000 in mid-19th century dollars. So for context, what he's paying Bridger is $5 a day. Yeah. And that's, like, really good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So historians estimate that over the course of that three-year expedition, he killed 4,000 bison, 1,500 elk, 2,000 deer, 1,500 antelope, 500 bear, at least 100 of them grizzlies, and scores of other assorted animals and birds. Fuck me. Yeah. So I feel like even if it weren't for his personality, and this is what Dave Walter said, that destructiveness alone completely puts him in the jerks of Montana history category. <laughs> the fucking king of the jerks. But then there's also the big fuck you fire, which for oh. another person I might kind of enjoy, oh. but he had to have known at this point, like, that's literally life or death that, for yeah. some people. Yeah. And not everybody's trying to rip you off. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I I do for uh, some purposes really enjoy a good petty turn of play. You know, I yeah I can get behind that. But he was just a dick, just a fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like five weeks was long enough to make up for everything. Certainly, I I, I feel like no. I would have liked it if they'd caught up with him about twenty years later. Yeah. And he was just like the hermit in Monty Python and had like a beard that went all the way down to cover his junk and no. was, you know, really excited to eat a maggot or whatever. Yeah, I want him to be like that mixed with Lestat at the end of the movie before he's nice and, and pretty again with Christian Slater. I want him to just be a shell of who he was in his decaying English mansion, still peeling parts of his sunburned scalp because you said he was bald. <laughs> You know, with a few, <laughs> his poor little valet is still there being, why, why, why? English feudalism, oh. why? He's like sweeping up the sunburn skin with like one of those little dusters oh that God. waiters have at fancy restaurants yes. to clean the crumbs up. Crumb catcher, cr- crumb sweeper. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. 
Fancy broom. Fancy broom. He's using a little whisk made out of his yeah. master's mutton chop hair. <sighs> so yeah, in general, I like to bring you people who do cool stuff or interesting stuff like Granger or Stagecoach Mary. Totally. But this one, I loved the concept of a book called Speaking Ill of the Dead, Jerks of Montana History. And I thought this guy would be really fun to... He is. Mock. <laughs> oh, I hope you revisit this book because I think there's going to be a lot more people for me to hate on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's fun, especially like I know there's a theory that, you know, oh, hate poisons the soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't throw out that toxicity without having it stick to you. But, you mm. know, sometimes it's okay to just make fun <laughs> of somebody who didn't need to do any of the horrible things they did no. and just decided to do anyway. Yeah. They're long dead and their yeah. descendants are long dead. Yeah. I don't feel at all bad about this. I don't feel bad about calling a garbage person a garbage person. Yeah, I feel bad for the animals. I feel bad for the animals. I don't feel bad for for general or for um Lord Gore's little sunburned buttocks. Don't feel bad yeah. at all. I feel bad for the people who worked for him. Yeah. I wonder how much graft there was, you know, how much yeah. it was just like, and one bottle for you and one bottle for me. Uh-huh. I imagine there was a lot of skimming and a lot of like, well, he's going to leave this, but right. I could have the skin if he's not going to take it. I, my, So my hope, the only reason I'm not foaming at the mouth is my hope that so many of the tribes watched this wanton destruction and were, once he was 10 miles away, able to go salvage skin, meat, whatever. I hope so. I really, I really hope so. I, I wish that his deal had been more atypical, you know? I feel like he was really just sort of the worst of the worst. I just picturing his, his caravan with this carriage that he would just sleep in mm-hmm. after he'd been up till midnight drinking and reading Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, you no. <laughs> quit it. You don't get to do that. You don't. Oh man! Thank God I'm poor. Know, is that weird enough? That's is definitely that weird? weird enough. That's definitely weird enough. Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it. I don't know what to say. I don't have a good conclusion for you to put on air because it's just, it's so mind boggling that excess and that so many people were just caught up in his train. Mm -hmm. So many people were like, okay, you are just scattering goods as you go and paying people well. You, You are just... A Christmas tree, and we're gonna shake you, and stuff's gonna come off. Like, I guess I'll come. What are you doing? You're gonna pay I me. Think it's interesting. This story, at least, doesn't have any women in it. And I'm like, I feel like there must have been some sharp-eyed, you know, for union sex worker yes. girls who would have been like, aha. But who knows? I don't know what his deal was. Maybe that's why he shot so many animals is because he hadn't figured out about jerking off yet or something. Exactly. Yeah. He had no clue that masturbation was an option and would decrease his kill need by like 72%. Yeah. What the hell? Tell you what. I don't know. Tell you what. Yeah, so sometimes the mystery in these stories is, you know, was he abducted by a UFO or is Bigfoot real? And the mystery in this one is, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh my god, Liz, this totally puts a kink in our whole Bigfoot is real. 
Oh, he would have shot like 70 of them. He would have shot like at least a whole family of them. Oh, no. Oh, dear. My worldview is crumbling. (laughs) Well, I don't think he actually shot any humans. So maybe Uh, it's just a matter of people who knew how to get out of the way. So maybe as the crow were like, you know, adding more tick marks to the long list of things he'd shot, the Bigfoot were also like having a conference about what they're doing. The Bigfoot. Maybe they called Bear's Rib and were like, buddy, buddy. um, Can you do us a solid? Yeah, exactly. And Bear's Rib was like, <laughs> "There's this guy. Yeah, yeah, I got you, fam. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, don't fret. I'll, I'll split I'll just, it with I'll, you. I'll just go kill him." And they're like, "No, no, don't kill him. Yeah, don't mm-mm. take his clothes. <laughs> We're pretty sure we'll be blamed for this somehow. So yeah. if you could just impoverish him enough to teach him a lesson, we'd be cool mm-hmm. with it." Oh, I think that's yeah. that's got to be what happened. Plus, I think at the time, Bigfoots were still, like, hanging out all along the, the P&W coast. They weren't that far inland. Mm-hmm. You know, they had no reason to be, like, hanging out in their hammocks in the whole rainforest. Yeah, that's probably what it was. All that's right. why they didn't see him in Montana. Helpful. Good. I feel better right, about this. we resolved this. that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I will do an outro for us, I think. Please. Um, we have so many new patrons to thank. Do you want me to say those? Those are the ones we thanked last time. Never mind. I just hadn't sent you the emails yet because I have been behind on shit. Mm, you know, or I could have done any of that work. <laughs> uh, did you send them cards? Getting there. And stickers. Thinking about it. Cool. Will do. All right. You'll do it. All right. That's a story of a jerk from Montana for your show about weird stuff in the Northwest. (laughs) If you want to catch up or maybe you need a palate cleanser and want to hear about like some good dogs or cool ladies Mm -hmm. or aliens or weird animals. Yeah. We got a lot of good stuff. Uh, We got all kinds of things that he didn't get around to shoot. (laughs) And you can join us at WeedJabrods.com. You can look for Ouija Bras on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, any podcatcher that's any good should have us. And if they don't have us, they're not very good. That's exactly that's right. That's how you should approach this. Mm-hmm. You can always come chat with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love to hear from folks. If you want more, 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 and more, even more content than there is out there for free, this is going to be, what, our 73rd or 74th episode, depending on whether and you and I get to tape this weekend. Oh, man. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. If you yeah, if, if you have an appetite similar to Lord Gore's. Yeah. If too much is never enough, uh-huh. then you should go to patreon.com slash where you can get our very first episode. You can get outtakes. You can get the bonus episodes we used to do called The Seance. And I just put up today us watching Magic Mike XXL and talking about it. It was pretty good. We never really shut up through the whole thing, except for when the girls kiss. Spoiler yeah, alert. Spoiler alert. You could tell Doesn't we, happen enough. we were both busy. so that might be fun for you uh and in case anybody's listening there in case anybody's listening uh, (laughs) in case there are any patrons or people who are curious about it who didn't know this there is an rss feed associated with the patreon so if you're like oh i kind of like that but i don't like having to listen through my computer you can either find out online or message me and i will help walk you through it getting it set up so that basically it'll be like a second show that down Downloads to your podcatcher whenever I upload something. That's because you are magic. 
I'm so magic. <laughs> That's me. Uh, so let's see. I did the Patreon. I did the proprietary website. I did the social media. I'm going to flick you. You can't reach me. You're too far away. Uh, damn it. Yeah. And we've got the perfumes. And you should go to eldenfragrances.com slash Ouija or just Elden Fragrances. Navigate there and find yourself some interesting ways mm-hmm. to smell and be in the world as a delightful smelling person. Yep. Uh, I think that's it, right? Oh, I mean, there's always what we want people to do. Yeah, live weird. Yeah, and, and then die weird. But most importantly, stay Stay weird. weird. Don't shoot all the animals. (laughs) Don't. Stop it. You tell them, Liz. Shoot clay pigeons. (laughs) 